Welcome to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. Brought to you by Present Truth Ministry, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. So Jesus had to say, bring them to me. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's get into the Word. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And today our faith is built up in the knowledge of Jesus. Thank you for wisdom, revelation, and understanding to learn, to learn your word, to do your word, to act on your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, so on Sunday, you were taught on the life of Anna in the temple. The scripture says that she was serving the Lord in fasting and prayer. Can you hear me properly? Everyone? Okay. She was serving the Lord in fasting and prayer. Today I want to look at the life of a man called Elijah. Um, the man called Elijah. And one of the things we know a lot about Elijah was the fact that he called down fire to consume the prophet's of Baal. And you know, we like that aspect. We like the fire aspect. Because uh, somehow it tends to show that uh, we are anointed or we are ministers of God. And I have said it times again without number that the proof that we're ministers of God is not how many people we kill. And that's very important. The proof that were ministers of God, or that you are a child of God, or that you, are, you know who you are in Christ, is not by how many people you can kill. The, the proof of your sonship is not destruction. That's very important, right? The proof of what? The sonship is not destruction. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. Right? I have come that you might have life and have it how? More abundantly. So, in the presence of Jesus is abundant life. And we represent Christ, right? We represent Jesus. Now, Jesus is the perfect expression of God. We cannot learn about God perfectly from Elijah. It's important to understand that. We cannot know the character of God from Moses. We cannot know all of the character of God from, uh, from who is your fierce prophet in the Old Testament? Which one do you guys fear the most? Like, who? Uh, Elijah. You know, um, it was Jesus who came to reveal the Father heart of God. So you, you recognize that if we really want to know who God is, who do we look unto? Jesus. Okay. So, Elijah was used as an example in scriptures, the example of prayer. But it's important that we put Elijah alongside Jesus and learn from their lives, but our focus is on the person of Jesus. So, Elijah was referenced by Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and verse 25. Jesus mentioned Elijah in Luke chapter 4, verse 25. 
but it was a very good reference. Luke chapter 4. Am I right? Verse 25. Verse 24. He says in Luke 4, 24, Jesus speaking, then he said, assuredly, that is, I am guaranteeing you <laughs> that a prophet is not accepted in his own country. And this is, this is one, there are many scriptures in the Bible that you should not, uh, you should not be the one to fulfill. All right? Uh, when you hear of a scripture like the poor you would always have among you, don't be in a hurry to say, I believe and I receive. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. Jesus said, the poor you always have among you. All right? So that scripture, for instance, tells us that no man or no organization can solve the poverty problem. You cannot eradicate poverty. Because Jesus says people will always be poor. And because there are reasons. Even if you make some people wealthy, they will choose to be poor. They just like it that way. It's their hobby. All right? Then scriptures like this, when the Bible says that a prophet is not without honor in his hometown, um, these are not scriptures you should be the one to bring to pass. That means I have decided that I will dishonor the prophets that are in my town, just to make sure that Jesus was not lying. Rather, you should choose to make sure that you're the one that honors. And you know, when we're talking about a prophet here, we're not just talking about the man who sees. We're talking about the ministers that the Lord has sent to you. So the next verse, it says, But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was a great famine throughout all the land. So Jesus recognized that through the prayers of Elijah, the heavens were shut. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Now, this is very important because we have also, as ministers of the gospel, taught on how the widow came to give Elijah her last meal. But when you read the narrative of Jesus, that's why you cannot interpret scriptures without reading the whole Bible. You, you must read the whole scripture. It's the scripture you use to interpret scripture. So, for instance, when we see that um, this widow was able to give Elijah her last meal, if you look at this verse carefully, the Bible says, But to none of them was Elijah sent. Do we see that there? So, you see that Elijah was sent to her. And because the Lord had sent Elijah to her, what happened? Something in her already was quickened to respond. Do, do you follow what I'm saying? Talk to me. Do you follow what I'm saying? So you cannot just say, for instance, that any widow just see that. Maybe the widow comes to church the next Sunday and shares a testimony. Praise the Lord. I'm the widow of Zarephath. I gave my last meal. Now there's so much in my house. I just want you to rejoice and praise the Lord. And then another widow gets up and says, well, I'm going to follow the steps of uh, the widow of Zarephath. What you're going to find out is that one is going to die. We might not have the opportunity to hear her testimony. Why? Because the Lord had not sent Elijah to her. So when the Lord sends you to a people, just as the Lord is sending you to them, he's putting in them faith for them to receive you. 
And if people will act on that, then we can see the miracles of God. Because faith does not start with us. Faith starts with God. God is the one who initiates the faith process. Are you following what I'm saying? God initiates the faith process. So, he said, uh, But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. That also means that when God sends a to you, it's because God wants to set up something in your life. Amen. Wants to get you. All right. So, Jesus agreed that Elijah shut the heavens. Now, I want to, because I intend to teach it, but I just want to say it here just in case I don't get to it. We always have the concept of when we tell Christians that they need to pray for an open heaven. And I want to be very clear on this. I want to be very, very clear on this. The child of God does not live under closed heavens. That's one. The reason is because the Bible says we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we're not under. It's not like heaven is up. Our concept of heaven, I don't want to mess up your theology. Go and study it again. Forget what anybody had taught. Our concept of heaven is very erroneous. Because we have a concept, we have a very geographical concept of heaven. So it even affects our understanding of scriptures. So when the Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, it's, it's, it's something like, okay, yes, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, but in the real, the real life, the real, we're talking about the real life now, I'm on earth. <laughs> let me show you something. Oh, God. Let me show you something. I don't want to teach this, but let me show you something. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and then we'll come back here. John chapter 3. Thank you, Father. All right. Um, okay. How many of you know what John chapter? This is, just, this is just to prompt you to study. I'm not going to explain it. I'm going to read it and show you a statement. Then you go and read it. Then we'll come back to prayer. Is that fine? I said, is that fine? John 3. You know John 3? What was Jesus talking to? Who was Jesus talking to? Nicodemus, right? Nicodemus. So Nicodemus came to him by night. So where, were, where was Jesus talking to Nicodemus? In his house under the tree, wherever Nicodemus came to meet him. Verse 11. Most, most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things, observe this, if I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how would you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Look at this. No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. But where was Jesus? Where was Jesus talking to Nicodemus? But what did Jesus say to Nicodemus that he was? Okay. So let's go back to Luke chapter 4. So the child of God does not live under a closed heaven. That's very important. Why? Because we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now, under scriptural interpretation, almost all the places where you find the word closed heavens, used, or open heavens, it literally was referring to rain. Because 
they were, they were a society that was uh, dependent on agriculture. So rain was like a sign of God's blessings. Rain was like, um, rain, was, rain was everything about the economy. So when the heavens were closed, what, just, what, just, what it literally just means was that there was no rain. That's what it literally means. So, and then when the heavens were opened, what now happened again was that rain fell. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, because you cannot constantly be praying for an open heaven. You will come with a victim mentality. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us already. Go to Ephesians chapter 1 quickly. Man, this is taking my time. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 2. Grace to you. What does it start with? Grace to you. Okay. <laughs> and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at how Paul calls God here. God what? God what? Our Father. Always observe. Always observe the use of fatherhood when when we been when God is being described to us in the New Testament. Always observe it. If you are if you are someone who is interested in studying, go through all the New Testament and underline where God wrote where uh, the apostles used the word father. Remember when Jesus was teaching on what we call the Lord's Prayer. How did it start by by you praying, our Father? So always observe the plurality used there. Uh, God our Father. Always observe that when the apostles were writing to the saints, listen carefully, they were not writing to the saints as if they knew God more than the saints. They always wrote to the saints as brothers who had the same father. When a minister of the New Testament teaches you, he doesn't teach you like I am closer to God than you. No. He teaches you to know the relationship that we all can have with what? Our Father. That is why it is immaturity to be praying in the name of the God of the bishop of a church. Because that already makes this statement like Paul was not serious. And I hope none of you pray that way here. You shouldn't pray. God's not going to answer you. Don't pray in the name of my God. Pray in the name of of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand that? It is only one mediator that we have between God and man. You see, the challenge is, as a minister of the gospel, if you are not careful, you would always lead people towards yourself because people listen to you, people um, get what you say and all that, and you must be very deliberate. I'm going to show you the scriptures. You must be very deliberate that you constantly point people to the fact that, listen, there's nothing we're doing here that is about me, but about God. You must be deliberate. You must be deliberate about it. And so Paul was very careful when he was writing to the saints to always tell them that, listen, I'm talking to you about our Father. Are you following what I'm saying? Talk to me. Are you following what I'm saying? All right. So let's read. Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in where? The heavenly places. Where do you find the heavenly places? 
In Christ. In Christ. Tells you the position of the heavenly places. They are in Christ. So, man, this is not what I want to teach. Let's look at this now. Let's look at this now. Let's look at this now. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. What has he done? What has he done? So if I come to God and say, God, I want you to bless me. What am I saying? Come on, what am I saying? I do not recognize that he has done it. Is this past tense or present tense? It's past tense. Past done tense. <laughs> That's my own English. All right? It's past, it's done, then whatever. Past done tense, right? He has blessed us. So what do I do? I acknowledge the blessing. I am grateful for the blessing. So instead of coming to God and say, oh God, I want you to bless me. Right? I come to God and say, Lord, I thank you for the blessing. I pray that the eyes of my understanding are enlightened, that I know by the spirit of wisdom and revelation how to access, how to activate, how to manifest, how to receive this, because it's a done deal. Okay. Who has blessed us with how many? All or every. What's the, what's the meaning of all? Every. What's the meaning of every? All. What it simply means is there's no one blessing you're looking for that you don't already have. Okay? He's blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. James chapter 5. Let's go to Elijah now. James chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. James chapter 5. We're going to read verse. We're going to start reading from verse uh, 13. We'll stop at verse 18. Is anyone among you suffering? <laughs> What's the answer? Let him complain that the pastor didn't check him. Let him see that there's no love in the church. Is anyone suffering? What should you do? Okay. Let's read it again. Let's be sure. Is anyone among you suffering? What did the Bible say you should do? Okay. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him do what? Sing psalms. So whether you're cheerful or you're suffering, there's something for you to do in the word. Alright? So pastor, things are bad. You know, I've not eaten. My wife left me. My husband beat me. Pray. Oh, pastor, I just got a promotion. I bought a new cart. I have a new belt. I got new teeth. My bow head is growing. <laughs> Sing Psalms. So there's always a word response to anything you're going through. Are you following this? Okay. Is anyone among you sick? Let the pastor come and visit him. What did the Bible say we should do if we're sick? Who does the calling? I think I need to read this on Sunday. Pastor, just remind me. Who does the calling when you're sick? The pastor? The, the sick person? 
You know how many people get offended that we don't visit them when they are sick? I don't know that you're sick. You know, it, do you understand how easy it would be for us to have a great church if we just do the word? Just obey the word. If you're sick, call. Call the elders. He didn't even say call the pastor. Call the elders. Call any of the leaders. If you don't have any elder, call your elder brother. No, I'm just saying. But call the elder of the church. He didn't say call your elder brother. Call the elder of the church. You do the calling. It's so easy. You know, we get offended over things that the scripture already tells us what to do. If you are suffering, pray. If you gain promotion, sing. If you are sick, call. If every church will do these three things, we will all be happy. You do the calling. I do the praying. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> Call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him. Anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. But recognize this now. Recognize this. It tells us what brings the answers. Verse 15. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, not the oil. The prayer of faith. What saves the sick? prayer of faith. The Bible is very clear on this. It's the prayer of faith that saves the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. This is interesting. Look at this. Confess your trespass to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is amazing. That if we pray for one another, what happens to us? We receive healing. But, you know, we can only pray for one another if we talk to one another. Are you following that? Yeah. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We'll spend time to teach on this. This is amazing. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. When you know the word effective, fervent, prayer, righteous man avails much. Makes much power available. Verse 17. He now says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. That's where we're going. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly. I want you to observe the word earnestly. That it would not rain. And it did not rain. On the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain. And the earth produced its fruit. So you observe what I always say. That the concept of close heavens... In, in the scriptures had to do with rain because the Bible says when he prayed again the heaven gave rain and the earth did what? Produced food. So it's like the heavens watered. But I want to go somewhere. The Bible says that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So most times when we read the scripture and we read about Elijah you know what comes to your mind is whoa this superman, the man you know called on fire and did all these mighty works but the Bible is trying to tell us that listen this guy was like you. He was a mortal man like you. Even in the life of the apostles, and I've said it many times here, when we look at Peter, we're like, whoa, mighty Peter. But the guy denied Jesus. Why, why does the Bible show us the weakness and the frailty of these men? So that we don't also cut ourselves from divine process. We're able to say, come on, if Elijah was able to pray this way, I can't pray this way. It's not to say, man, mighty Elijah. Who am I to pray like Elijah? My name is Jumbo. No. God shows you that Elijah is a man. 
Now, I'll show you something. Let's just go to the, to the apostles, then we'll come back to Elijah. Go with me to um, Acts chapter 10. Go with me to Acts chapter 10. I'll show you something here. Are you learning something? Acts chapter 10. Let's go to verse 26. Acts 10, 26. Let's look at verse 24. And following day, they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. Remember when God sent uh, Peter to go, to go meet uh, Cornelius. And, and was waiting for them. And he had called his relatives and close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Wow. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. You know, when, when Peter was going to meet Cornelius and Cornelius fell down and worshipped him, you know, Peter, Peter didn't say, wow, you are blessed. You know, Peter didn't do that, right? He didn't say, blessed are you. You're a good son. That's my spiritual soul. Stand up now, you're blessed. He didn't do that. It is easy for people to deify us. It is easy for people to almost make us like gods. You have to be deliberate. You have to cut, especially for ministers of the gospel, you have to deliberately separate honor from worship. If not before you know, people will start worshiping you. Peter had to tell him, stand up. And Peter used the same phrase. What? I'm a man. Verse, the next verse, verse 26. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. We must never forget that we are men used by a great God. We must never forget it. Never forget it. Be deliberate about knowing that you are a man. Praise the Lord. I like what my dad used to tell me. He said, when you tell people of the miracles that took place, always also tell them of the people that didn't get healed. You know, when you pray for people, not everyone gets healed. But you know, sometimes you don't tell people that. And because they don't know, they always think you get results. And so when they also pray for people and they don't get healed, they feel bad about themselves. You know, you've heard people come on the pulpit and say, well, this special anointing that God gave to me is so unique. It's, it's a very special anointing. Yes, but the truth of the matter is it's the same blood that paid for your sin, that paid for the sin of everyone. Are there graces that God distributes in the body? Yes. But honestly, we must always make people recognize that we're still men. Amen. It puts the pressure on yourself down. I mean, you've heard, read over the, the news of pastors committing suicide, all kinds of things. Because sometimes when you lift yourself so up that way, you don't have any friends. Nobody talks to you. Even your wife worships you. Thou man of God, thy food is ready. Say, blessed are thou daughter of Israel. I'm coming to eat. You know, you're no longer normal. <laughs> you, you know, your children come to you. Father, father of the church, can we approach you? Come to me, my source. What requires thou? And before you know, you, everybody leaves you. You've got to be normal. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I hope you're normal. You didn't say that. I didn't hear it. You, you're not saying it like with your normal voice now. You're saying it with church voice. That's the problem. Ask your neighbor, I hope you're normal. Fine, this is your real voice. The first one was church voice. I hope you're normal. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> Acts 14. Acts 14. Let's go to Acts 14. It's important. Recognize this. Acts 14. It's 14 to 15. That's why as a pastor, 
You should have friends that you just gist with, that you just talk football with, that you just talk things with. All right? It's not all your talk is cell meeting, cell meeting, cell meeting, cell meeting. No, just have friends. Right? Acts 14, verse 14 to 15. But when the apostles, Paul, heard this. Oh, no, no. Let's quickly go to... Oh, let's go to verse 12 quickly. You understand it from verse 12. And Barnabas had called... Ah, uh, no. Let's go to verse 10. This was when they healed the blind, uh, the, the crippled man. And he said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying in uh, like Korean language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Wow. And Barnabas they called Zeus. And Paul, Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. They have already given them titles. You know, you, you must be careful that you don't make people, you know. You, you see, I mean, sometimes I'm amazed today. I see ministers with titles, like that's something, something one, like two. Almost like traditional ruler title. I mean, you know, wow. And guys are just dishing out titles. And they already gave Paul. Say, man, you're Hermes. You're the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and, and gallants to the gate, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. Can you imagine? Guys had already brought sacrifice. You know, people will make you miss God. People will make you miss God. They will so... You, they will so... If you are not deliberate, and I'm talking about your own life, you have to be deliberately humble. If not, it is easy for people to worship you. You know the problems of David started when they started singing for him after the war? I mean, the guy just killed battle. They just organized spirit and truth. Choir. What song did they sing? Ah, David had killed 10,000. Saul killed 1,000. Ah, when? This guy had been a... Saul had been a fighter. <laughs> He's a king. And that's the problem. We must be careful when people sing our praises. We must be very careful of it. Amen. You know, you finish preaching. Maybe your pastor is not around. Finish preaching. Someone just walks up to you and says, man of God, man of God. Every time you preach, I'm not talking about pastor, I'm talking about you. When you preach, there is an anointing. Ah, I can't even describe it. I can't describe it. <laughs> and then you just go like, hmm. You know, God has been telling me that the time of separation is now. You will soon. You, you must recognize that. Or you finish singing. You know, and then people just come to you. And they just ask you very simple. Why don't they put you every Sunday? I'm just asking. I don't know. But why, why is that you're not singing every Sunday? And then the next thing, you run to the studio to wax album. You must be careful of people. You must be careful of the voices of men. The voices of men is not the voice of God. They are completely different. Do you understand that? They're completely different. So let's go on now. So they wanted to sacrifice all of these things. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes and ran among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God. Can you imagine the response of these apostles? They tore their clothes They're like, why are you doing this? We are men like you. They didn't go about saying, well, I have seen honor, but I've never seen honor like this. Sacrifice the oxen. Do it. Burn it. No. You must 
must be deliberate. They were deliberate to say, listen, we have the same nature like you. And I tell you this, if we will spend time to teach our people this, they will rise up to maturity. Knowing that if your pastor can heal the sick, you can heal the sick. If your pastor can raise the dead, you can raise the dead. If your pastor can teach, and if you learn properly, you'll be able to teach. Are you following what I'm saying now? So they went there and they, like, they tore their clothes. I mean, imagine seeing the singlet of Apostle Paul. <laughs> I mean, they tore their clothes like, listen, even if you want us naked, be able to know that we're human beings like you. Because these guys, they'll turn them to gods. And you know, if there's anything God doesn't want to do, is to have any other God apart from him. You must make sure that you're also not God in people's life. You know, you can do that if you have resources. And you, 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 it's almost like anything you say. You're helping a husband and a wife. And the husband makes a decision. You, the wife, you are not happy. Then you quickly report him to your financial uncle. And your uncle calls the man and says, what, what is it that your wife is telling me? I'm not uh, very comfortable with it. And they say, ah, no, uncle, whatever you want. Ah, no, no, whatever you want. What my wife says is the truth. And before you know, you're playing God in people's life. And you're, you're trying to help them can actually break, people, break people's marriages. You must let people also be knowing that you're not El Shaddai. If not, they'll start worshipping you. You get into your family. You're the youngest, but you're the one with the resources. And then your elder brother comes in, and then they tell him to stand up for you. And you, you went to sit down. Because you are the one that at the end of, you know, at the end of every meeting, you are the one that will make the meeting come to pass. You know, there are meetings you have and nothing come to pass. We want to build this thing, we will build this, we will do this. They say, ah, okay, let us pray. And then there are meetings like, okay, okay, so what's the cost? And then you are just God in the family. And you are even saying it, that God has made me God to them. <laughs> be humble and be deliberate about it. Sometimes when you look at yourself in the mirror, tell yourself, I am a man. And, you know, calm yourself down. That's why God told them, he says, remember, it is the Lord thy God that gave the power to get with, lest you say the might of my hands. Have you seen people talk about how they became wealthy? Sometimes they just take the God factor out of the story totally. Praise the name of the Lord. Wow. Right, so they just said they were men. Okay, so let me run through this quickly. Go back to James chapter 5. Be humble and be deliberate about it. Be humble and be deliberate about it. James chapter 5. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. James 5. We're looking at the life of Elijah. So we'll just pick out some points because our time is going. Time always runs so fast in this church. It's a miracle. And you guys are miracle workers. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly. The word Nate, the word, um, um, let me see. G give me the King James Version, the old King James. Give me the old King James, if you have that. He, Elias was a man subject to like passions. That's what I want. I wanted the word passions. The word passions is homopietis. It means to have the same kind of feeling or the same kind of affection. It's taken from the word homos, Greek word homos, which means to resemble or to correspond. It's the same thing. 
Elijah had the same passions you have. He had the passions of weakness. He had the passions of tiredness. He was a human being. Like you. He had, well, maybe sometimes he didn't feel like praying. This is just to show us that Elijah was a man like us. He was a man like us. So if he was able to pray and get these results from God, we can get it from God. We can pray the same way. So let's just look at some things quickly in the life of Elijah because of our time. Number one, Elijah tarried in the place of prayer. So if you go to 1 Kings, please, if you have the time, go back and study it. 1 Kings 6, 17, 18, and 19. You'll find the story there. He tarried in the place of prayer. So what happened? Remember the story, right, in 1 Kings when he wanted to pray uh, about the rain? He prayed once, and what happened? He didn't see the rain. He prayed seven times. He tarried in the place of prayer. One of the things we learn from Elijah is the need to stay in the place of prayer. The Old Testament saints will call it pray true until we pray true. So if you prayed once about something and you didn't get the result that you were supposed to get, you stay in the place of prayer and you pray true. And you pray true. So Elijah tarried in the place of prayer. We find out in the life of Jesus when he, was, when he was praying before in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross. He prayed for an hour. He came back. He prayed for another hour. He came, he came back and prayed for the third hour. So on the spot, Jesus prayed for three hours until the note of victory came. For some things, you cannot just pray once and stand up. You pray and pray and pray until the note of victory comes into your heart. You stay in the place of prayer. You're persistent in the place of prayer. Praise the name of the Lord. Number two, we find out that Elijah separated himself unto prayer. So Elijah went up to the mountain. In my study of prayer, interestingly, I've been studying the subject of prayer. In my study of prayer, one of the things I just observe about prayers right now that I am deliberately doing is kneeling down to pray. Is kneeling down to pray. Because in my study, I just observed that just to kneel down to pray, is a posture of humility. Do, do, do you understand that? I mean, so right now, especially when I'm praying with my family, I just kneel down. I just kneel down. Because I read through scriptures and I see people kneeling to pray. Just, just that posture of prayer. That posture of prayer. Elijah separated himself to pray. He went up to the mountain to pray. Do you have times where you go out to pray? Do you take a prayer vacation? Do you take Saturdays to pray? Do you separate yourself to pray? Oh, Pastor, I have so many things. Elijah was a man like you. He also had many things. Do you separate yourself? He separated himself, went up on the mountain to pray. Do you have times of prayer? Do you separate yourself to seasons of prayer? Do you separate yourself to hours of prayer? He was a man like you. Most of us are so busy right now, we don't even have a prayer life. Our prayer life is in the bathroom. Our prayer life is, you know, you even hear people say, you know what, ah, man, as I'm going to work, I just pray. I just speak in tongues. As I'm just going to work, I just speak in tongues. You're lazy. Oh, pastor, you don't know what I do. You don't even know what I do. You know, most of you, most people think full-time pastors just have time. Ah, it's not to preach Wednesday and then preach on Sunday. How long is it preaching safe? And then he will tell story and tell story and for you know, time is gone. How pastors are enjoying why don't you join us? Come enjoy. If you need to deprive yourself of sleep to pray, deprive yourself. Elijah was a man like you. 
You can't have a prayer life just in the car. You can't have a prayer life just when you're bathing. You can't have a prayer life just when you're eating. Praise the name of the Lord. Separate yourself unto prayer. Give yourself days. In these two days, I am going to pray. And pray. You see, that's why we also find the struggle sometimes when we come for corporate prayers and then people are tired. It's because they don't have personal prayer life. If you have a personal prayer life, it will be easy to pray publicly. You will enjoy prayer. Praise the name of the Lord. I said, praise the name of the Lord. Elijah was earnest in prayer. He was earnest. I like what a pastor said. He says, if the prayer is heartfelt, it would affect your posture. You know, sometimes we laugh at the, some of our brethren who pray all those tedious prayers. But then sometimes you even come into our midst, you are not encouraged to pray. Right? We are praying corporate prayers and we are just hearing only the guy in front praying. Until the man gets tired. And everybody just pray. And then you ask yourself, am I praying with people? And then you, get, you, 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 you keep hearing the guy say, open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth like Mike. You guys have punished Mike in this church. Mike will say, lift your voice. <laughs> say, maybe they are not hearing that one. Open it. <laughs> you know, because your prayer has to be earnest. We also have to know you are praying. The Bible says about Anna that she knelt and was praying, that she wasn't making a sound, but her lips were moving. And what did Eli say? Eli said, You are drunken. It means that there was a posture. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even though she wasn't saying something, let's know you are praying. Especially when we are praying corporate prayer. Don't pray from your heart. Let's hear you. So we are sure we are praying the same thing. You know, we can just pray, oh God, let this church go. He said, don't make that. If more people come now, we will not be fine. Don't, God, don't listen to all these people. <laughs> but he prayed earnestly. And you know why he prayed earnestly? Man, this thing is affecting the whole nation. We're going to talk about that. Listen, it's going to be dependent on Elijah's prayer if people were going to eat. Come on now. Because this was not just prayer, Lord, guide me. Lord, give me job. This was, imagine you prayed and the whole of Nigeria, no rain for three and a half years. And people know that you prayed. <laughs> Do you understand? Then you now announce on the news and say rain is going to fall. Then you now go and pray. And then you ask your servants, servants who will tell you the truth, not by faith. They just tell you the way they see it. You finish praying. Say, look up. Is there anything? Say, master. <laughs> Nothing. <you know. laughs> I mean, you will pray earnestly. Ahab was looking for this guy to kill him. So he had to pray earnestly. Do our prayers move us? Do we pray earnestly? Or we just pray casually so we tick the prayer box and say, oh, I pray today. He prayed earnestly. Elijah also prayed because he was concerned about God in the nation. This is where I really want to go to. Because sometimes we use the, 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 the subject of Elijah prayer for our own personal needs. But how many of you remember, this was not Elijah praying because he needed something. What was Elijah praying about? The curse of God. This whole nation had walked away from God. And Elijah felt, no. Elijah himself took on the prophets of Baal. You know, as I began to study scriptures, and it's something I'm studying right now. As I began to study scriptures, I realized that a lot of the mighty works we see in the life of some of the people in the Old Testament, it wasn't because they had personal desires. In fact, 
it was because they had national desires. So I'll give you an example. How many of you remember Nehemiah? Why did God prosper Nehemiah to build? Because he was building the wall of Jerusalem. Are we, are we together? The wall of Jerusalem. Um, who, who came to my mind now? David. David and Goliath's story. You know, we all use it for like, man, is there any Goliath in your life? And all that and all that. But why did David go to kill Goliath? What were the words that David said? He says, who is this who defiles the army of Israel? So how many of you know what David was fighting for? A national cause. What was Elijah praying about? A national cause. I'm beginning to see more and more how Christians pull themselves apart from the nation. And I haven't even heard people say, prayers don't win election. Go and get your PVC. We are prayed enough. You know, very callous statements that people make, like unbelievers. You think just a good democratic process will save a nation? I don't think so. Some of the most wicked... I just want to say this. I have to say it. You know, people, people extol America like America is like second to heaven. Right? I have friends who live there, who pastor there, who tell you daily, pray for us. The killings in their schools is unprecedented. We don't even have that. I mean, if a guy brings catapult, is it catapult or sling? If a guy brings sling to school and shoots one guy, ah, they I mean, guys just go, carry gun, and kill students. And is that democracy perfect? Absolutely, as it were, in quotes. So, when we are talking about praying for Nigeria, we are not just praying that the right people will win election. Do you understand what we are talking about? We are praying against the forces of darkness. Because we can have a very beautiful nation with people with very wicked hearts. And the crime rate is high. The killings in the school is, is unprecedented. All kinds of evils. Just last week, right? South Africa has gone to court and they want to legalize cannabis. Right? You know what cannabis is? It's Igbo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Weed. It, they want to legalize it. That means you can buy it at will. And these are nations, in quote, that have a bit of process going on. So, when we say pray for Nigeria, we're not just praying that somebody should win an election. We're praying that the will of God will always be done in our nation. Praise the name of the Lord. And that's what Elijah did. Elijah prayed for the nation. Do you pray for our nation? Do you pray for the nations of the earth? If there's crime around your community, is this something that you pray earnestly about or you pray casually about? One of the things I learned very early in life was when we were teaching us intercession, they say use anything you, you see on the news as a basis of intercession. So you hear that, oh, floods killed 20 people in Makodi or in Zamfara or in Kaduna. Don't go and say, this government, the flood, flood, flood is still killing. No, turn it. That's the time to pray. You heard that an accident happened. That's the time to pray for people to be safe. Whatever negative news comes up in our nation, turn it to a prayer point. Do you understand what I'm saying? Whatever you hear, turn it to what? To a prayer point. Last one. Elijah's prayer confronted the wicked system of Ahab and the religious mixture of his day. Through the prayers of Elijah, Elijah brought people to the worship of God. Our communities are depending on us. Our nations are depending on us. Praise the name of the Lord. This island is depending on us. Amen.
I mean, I, I, I shared with one of the leaders, I don't know which of them, but I've got friends in Cameroon, and the crisis in Cameroon is skyrocketing. In fact, right now, it's something the government just released was yesterday or today. If you are in southern Cameroon, that's Anglophone, that's English-speaking Cameroon, and you want to go to Francophone Cameroon, like French-speaking um, um, Cameroon, like if you're moving from a place like Douala to Yaoundé, you will have to now um, get somebody in Yaoundé, their name, their contact. It's almost like visa. It's not visa, but it's almost like visa. You, you need to now have a contact of the person you're going to. We're supposed to have a meeting there, and everybody's having crisis. People are dying. People are being kidnapped. That's something to pray about. Just came around here. That's something to pray about. Because you know what? If a massive war breaks out in that country, the refugee crisis, where's the first place everybody wants to run to? Run to Nigeria, Calabar, and Cameroon, the same strip. You know what that means for us? Even what we have is not enough for us. <laughs> you understand? We are hungry. <laughs> and there are like two million people join. I mean, they'll be closer to Gabriel's um, village there. That's an issue because then <laughs> the, the times an offering Gabriel is giving to us, he asking us and home to help people living in his father's compound that he didn't plan for. We need to pray. <laughs> Do you understand that? Never think that you being peaceful means everybody is. We must always, in our time of comfort, remember those who are suffering. In prayers, praise the name of the Lord. Come on, let's be on our feet. Our time is gone. Praise God. We're just going to ask God to give us a heart for the nations. Amen. Just give us a heart for the nation. Even our nation, Nigeria. Let's pray. Let's not give up on it. Amen. Let's pray. Let's say, Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you for the spirit of grace and supplication. Rando Shapanda Katosa. My prayer life is going to be earnest. I'm going to have days of prayer. I'm going to have times of prayer. I'm going to have weekends of prayers. I'm going to have hours of prayers. I'm going to have moments of prayers. Come on, pray, pray. My prayer life is going to come up again. I know that Elijah felt tired the way I felt tired after work. I know he felt weak. I know he felt, you know, even Elijah prayed out of self-righteousness. He says, oh God, kill me. I'm the only prophet left. He was a man. He was a man. But we can pray. Our prayers can change the nation. Our prayers can change the course of things. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, we just receive a new freshness and passion towards prayers. In the mighty name of Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Present Truth Broadcast with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would also like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng or call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.